You're listening to World of Echo on BFF.fm. I'm Blythe Sheldon, and we just heard Joni Mitchell with the drummer Brian Blade live at Fez in New York, 1995. And that's a bootleg that Aquarium Drunkard, the blog, put out on or just put on their blog a few years ago. And it's so good. I was going to play the whole thing. All 45 minutes of it but you can download it and listen to it yourself um it's magic between the two of them next um amelia cooney with divino amor from the parampara festival in 1992 
He took himself seriously. Motel rooms had lost their punch for him. He opened all his bags. There were two, and inside those two, there were two more. It's not an easy situation. But there was something like abandon in the air. There was something like the feeling of the idea of silk scarves in the air. There was a kind of madness to it, the kind we read about in magazines. One of the bags contained a bottle of liquor, a sure sign of thoughtfulness about who one might have been. He poured himself a small drink in a fluted plastic glass sans ice. He thought to himself, if I were from the big town, I would be calm and debonair. The big town doesn't send its riffraff out. He sat on the bed, both feet on the floor. He studied the ashtray and tried to rule out preference, preferring over not preferring, but he preferred gravity over what other state, preferring in that case earth, the earth as they say, preferring some state over non-state. Now he grips himself with determination, even knowing that it causes sadness. He is determined to be what? He is determined to be serious. He had determined once to be serious. Later he knew that he had made a mistake, but too late he had arrived and there were rooms and all rooms were not the same, some better than others he thought. A better view, a better layout, better shower, softer bed, not so far from noise, more like home, etc., etc., very abstract. He lifted the telephone from its cradle. His determination got stronger, if no clearer, even as he fainted in its force. Were it not for our momentum, the inertia of our actions, the constant inspiration of our habits, we could not continue. The will is almost nothing, he thought to himself. At the sound of the first ring, he hung up. He pushed down the button and listened to the silence of the object in his hand, and then he hung up. Very dramatic. The phone rang immediately. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 
he brings this cloud of conditions with him. He is at the center of a ball of hot stuff that we haven't put our minds to yet. And sitting on the bed in the motel room is no different. Somewhere in another room in range, somebody got it and phoned him. It happens all the time. Really. A kind of restlessness in that range. He sat and thought about obedience. He had resolved that of the two kinds, the kind that takes every message of order, rule, law, as error, that everybody who passes along these messages, that loathes the buildings, that contradicts the inner voice, that resists, in short, was his, and that the other kind, how could it be? He wasn't happy with the world. He worked with the forwardness and the backwardness. He worked with what things are ahead of us and with what things are behind us. I guess the other kind would be to work with things that are alongside the attachments. Obedience was impossible for him. At the same time, he was cooperative and indeed solicitous. No one in the world would have mistaken him for a real person. Obedience, etc. The other kind works with the things that are of the alongside us, the attachments. At the same time, he was cooperative. The numbers on the telephone, the parts of the book, the notes of the scale, they are the same, are they not? They come from the sameness of the idea of the outsideness, not the alongside the outsideness, the differentness. It was a problem being cooperative and at the same time refusing obedience and carrying the load of the idea of differentness. He wants. He handles himself in the morning. It's just like for every other man. The fantasy is the distance, the reluctance, the reticence, the otherness. The fantasy is the uncleanness. So getting up gets to be a problem for a sensitive person like him. The problem is to run that gauntlet again. Remove problem. Remove gauntlet. Remove run. Remove is to. Remove the. Remove that. Leave this. Make this whatever. He lights the motel room with a slightly blue body light. 
When he is alone, he forgets sometimes to walk. He just moves. Sometimes they touch, sometimes they don't. And everything in between. As sometimes he forgets to combine talk with thinking and just thinks or just talks. Especially, I think, it happens in those rooms. Who knows why? The way it disconnects from what's just outside is predictable, is it not so? It never stops being a mystery. We have talked about it. When he says hello, you hear a long whining sound, which is his voice and the hello. It is as different from whatever the way one might remember as a sound a cat would make. He is not unusual in this, I think. He is absolutely uninhabitable, a thankless star. Remove star, remove thankless, remove A. Replace with, he has a special way of speaking, but it seems only to make him more like other men. This is one place, and here every kid is armed. So where you going? Hunting. Only sometimes we don't see the guns. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. The town and always references to down and up. Down from Des Moines, up from somewhere. Missed my chance, didn't even see it. Thought it was a threat to house and home. Why don't you come up to the big town? No thanks. Looking back. Didn't get the up and down part. How could I have missed it? Get a grip on yourself, he said. Working against time was another thing, he said. Here I am working against time. The pencil fairly flew as he made out his simple requests for breakfast. Room service, courtesy of the company. This is a record. I am sitting on a bench next to myself. Inside of me the words form. Come down out of the tree and fight like a man. Two G's and eggs. This is not a record. This is a story. I want to say something about myself. I am not sitting on a bench next to myself, whatever that means. I am a city of habits. I am completely knowable in every way. I recognize superstition in every form. The anger of the words wakes me in the dream of myself. I imagine there are two men on the bench. The exchange between them will not be seen. They will not put it forth to be seen. 
and if I make something of the situation to show a difference between the two men, the difference will distract the true onlooker. But the film fogs, you know. One G and fogs. And add a dish of prunes if they are in season. The men are in the park in the small midwestern town. That is, the bench is in the park. We know from what is past that the men are on the bench. They are old by doctor's standards. The park graces the courthouse of the county. The courthouse has about it the simple air of failure. An abandoned outpost. The park has sidewalks, fences, trees, grass, and a statue of a man and a horse at war. or ready for war. They are alone with their intentions. The sculptor has made the horse look stupid. The man's jaw is firm. The time is late morning and early summer. The sun shines. In this scene, there are two shots. The park and all its details, frozen, broken on the right edge, sometimes up to two-thirds across the frame by the body of a person, very close, blurred, moving almost rhythmically. We have just begun and already we are stuck, working against time, as they say. The camera is obsessed with what it sees. The park. The ragged edge. Nothing moves. Except the edge. The edge moves. It's as if there is no other place. His mind races. One G in fogs. Two G's in eggs. When the two men spoke, they spoke about permanence and impermanence. They noted that there were certain things which were impermanent and other things to which the term impermanence did not apply. Thus they came to make a great division between that which is impermanent and that which is permanent. Everything in this transitory category turned out to be the particulars of our existence, and these were divided into physical, mental, and others which were neither physical nor mental. Among those particulars which were neither physical nor mental, they listed attainment, aging, and coincidence. On the permanent side of this great division of reality was a notion they referred to as space. And by that term, they meant neither conceptual space nor space as given by our senses. 
layman connections. They decided that such base is irreducible and not transitory, and that it exists as long as one is alive. They wondered, naturally, what becomes of it. This impasse is no help at all. Consider his situation. For instance, he is expected to be positive and helpful about breakfast. In the order of things, it is more important that she know about the prunes than that the shot should change. And what about the problems we have seen in him? He is still sitting on the bed, both feet on the floor. The small drink in the fluted plastic glass sans ice is hardly touched. The phone has just stopped ringing. In his mind, the two men are frozen on the bench. The horse looks stupid. The warrior's jaw is firm. Incredibly slowly our view begins to slide. His idea is that death always takes one by surprise. Always. There is no way to prepare. He imagines absolute awareness on the other side. He wonders, as we all do, how it comes to you that you are dead. We were distracted by the fluid right edge. There is an absoluteness to surprise, he thinks. He applies this simple thought to the problem of how to move the shot. Incredibly slowly our view begins to slide that begins as a problem. We are enchanted by the park and all its details, frozen, broken on the right edge by the body of the person, very close, blurred, moving rhythmically. How can it begin to change? How can the beginning go unnoticed? How can we pass from one state to another? Is it possible, if one already has a certain experience of life, to start directly on the path? Or is there danger involved in trying to do advanced practices without having the proper foundation? They came to believe that, unless one has actually gone through the preliminary experiences, conclusions may be drawn on the basis of insufficient information and that these conclusions may produce just the opposite effect of the one which is intended. In other words, one never knows. And so the view begins to slide anyway, as they say, sliding eastward, turning eastward. The particulars moving left to right across the frame. A parade of sorts. And it comes to rest, 
finally on the road, the street that holds the park. We are still obsessed. We are not relieved. This view is no different. How could it be? Except that we have moved off the body of the person very close and blurred, and every edge is raw. And there is some machine approaching, wider than it is high, as they say. A pack of motorcycles, a herd of elephants, a tribe of Bedouins, something from the east, barely moving in a cloud of haze and heat and dust in utmost telephoto, gold and green and flat. The idea of the slit, the eye of the needle. That was Robert Ashley's The Park off his, um, from his opera, Private Parts. So good. Why is that so mesmerizing? I don't know. Um, then we heard Rocco de la Luca, de Luca with many singing softly off Luke Schneider presents imagine imaginational anthem volume 11 chrome universal a survey of modern pedal steel and that just came out and I started that set with Amelia Cooney Davino Amor Next, Mary Lattimore and Growing. Um, the piece is Flowers in the Center Lane Sway, and it's off their album Gainer.
Connie Converse with How Sad, How Lovely. You've been listening to World of Echo on BFF.fm.